Okay. Um, <clears throat> just at the outset, I'd like to admit that I am not an academic with respect to <clears throat> Stoicism or Buddhism. And um, the only thing I can say is I have 38 years of experience in AA. And um, I'd like to couch this in terms of uh, how Buddhism and or Stoicism uh, relate to what we're trying to accomplish in AA. Now, <clears throat> Buddhism actually comes first historically. Uh, we're talking 2,600 years ago, an individual uh, after many years of suffering and study uh, came upon the enemy and he found the enemy was him. And that is the central message of Buddhism. That is our individual sense of self is the cause of all of our suffering. When something happens and we think that it shouldn't happen, that's where the trouble starts. In other words, we don't accept life on life's terms. And you've heard that in AA many times. But um, unfortunately, Buddhism never became a national uh, philosophy or even a religion. Because it was too difficult for people to understand. Now, if they were suffering, how they could not, in and of themselves, solve their suffering. They, they couldn't quite accept the fact that we have to get rid of our sense of self in order to really be free. And that's just too big a bite for any, pretty much any human being to accept at face value. So that's founded along, never became a big deal in India and slowly spread, but mostly among the philosophical people and the uh, monks and religious people. And it never caught on as a national religion, and it still hasn't. It's still not considered a religion. But uh, about six, seven hundred years later in Rome, um, there was another philosophy floating around, Stoicism. And that uh, the exact origin of that is not 100% clear. But uh, the emperor, Marcus Aurelius, in the year 150, uh, decided to make that the national religion, if you will. And it served him very well because the essence of that religion is a lot easier to swallow than the essence of Buddhism. Stoicism tells us we should just buckle down, accept whatever comes along, and be happy anyway. That's essentially the message. And um, the virtues that uh, were expected to practice is wisdom, justice, courage, and moderation. And that actually, when you think about it, is a very good set of values to get your citizenry to follow because that makes for very compliant citizens. Even if they're suffering, they're told that, well, 
your religion is to learn how to accept your suffering and practice these virtues anyway. But somehow that never really caught the spirit of the Roman Empire. Uh, a lot of people tried to practice that, but somehow it never really got established as a major force in Roman life. It wasn't until Constantine, about 150 years later, who uh, picked up on Christianity because by that time, it had, by the year 300 AD, Christianity had grown uh, sufficiently so that everybody was sort of familiar with it. And uh, Constantine kind of liked it because that was the perfect attitude to ask your citizens to take up. In other words, forgive your enemies, the meek shall inherit the earth, and so on and so on. Now that works out perfectly as a way to keep your population under control and keep them relatively happy. And so actually that caught on. If it wasn't for Constantine, who knows what would have happened to the Christian religion. And it has grown over the centuries to what it is now, which is a multifaceted, very difficult to define set of religions. And uh, that's, that's the history of both of those movements. And uh, several of the meetings that I go to, actually Stoicism is the central philosophy that they use to base their meetings on. And it's really quite interesting because the, the macho type men love stoicism and uh, they get pushback every time they try to sell this idea in a meeting. And uh, so it's not, it's not a complete takeover of AA by stoicism by any means. And I always try to introduce the Buddhist side because I've had more experience with that. And I think that that is something that more closely relates to what it is we're trying to do here. As a matter of fact, uh, the 12 steps are really kind of a combination of Stoicism and Buddhism. On the one hand, we're supposed to buckle down, accept life as it is, things we can change, we avoid or we don't deal with, we do what we can to change the things we can and so on. But the, the aspect of Buddhism that I think through Bill Wilson, possibly inadvertently, uh, part of the, the program became a very Buddhist-oriented idea, and that is kind of central to step four, where we're asked to intensively investigate ourselves. Now that's, that was kind of a first, and I think it followed on uh, from the a uh, recommendation, or at least the observation of uh, Carl Jung when he was talking to Bill Wilson about addiction recovery. Carl Jung said that he had never seen a person recover from addiction 
unless they had a transformative experience where their, their whole personalities changed. And I think Bill Wilson picked up on that, and that was the source of a lot of the steps that he wrote. And I can kind of appreciate that, because to me, that is the core issue that we all bring to, uh, we all develop during our lives habits, uh, modes of behavior that are really, that really don't serve us well. We get angry at inappropriate times and uh, we don't accept things as they are. We try to make the world conform to what we want it to be and so on. And the steps uh, really try to reorient that, us to the facts of life. The fact that we can't really change very much in our surroundings. We have to accept them pretty much as they are. And the few things that we can change are all internal. We're not expected to change the form of government or, or the religion we were brought up in or any of that sort of thing. We're asked to change ourselves. And that's where it gets kind of sticky because the real question is still open as to to what degree can we really change ourselves. And I've been talking to other alcoholics over the decades and a surprising number have very little knowledge of what I'm talking about. They don't know the origin of any of this stuff. And yet, just by blindly following the, the recommendations of AA, have managed to stay sober for decades without understanding how that works. And, uh, and I say to that, I used to, I don't know, kind of rebel against that. I said, how the hell can you really get better and transform unless you know what the hell you're doing? But I'm pretty much convinced at this point in time that if you follow in the proper fashion what AA is talking about in terms of making changes to the internal workings of yourself, unless you do that, being happy in your own skin and being able to stay sober in a happy state of mind is pretty is pretty hard to do. And uh, I think we should let it let this open to uh, debate or conversation at least. Uh, but that's my take on the whole thing relative to stoicism and and Buddhism and how it relates, how both of them relate to AA. And I think they both do. They have both had influences on AA and its development. And uh, we're left, unfortunately, at this point, 80 some years after the development of AA, getting mixed messages from various uh, segments of, of the AA community as to what it really is that gets us sober and what is it really that makes us comfortable enough in our own skin to remain sober. And that, I think, is uh, are, are the two key mysteries of, of addiction. And uh, they have always been a mystery uh, to, to 
to society in general. Nobody really knows why certain people become addicted. There are some biological explanations that may explain some of it with some people, but it's not universally applicable. And um, how you stay sober, how you stay happy in your own skin, content to the point where you will not get uncomfortable enough to be tempted to go back to your addiction because the value of whatever substance we were addicted to is that it kind of numbs us to discomfort. And it does that quite successfully for a time, but as we all have discovered, uh, there's a short half-life for that solution. That sooner or later, the solution becomes the problem. And that's kind of where we're stuck now in this whole issue of addiction and addiction recovery. We're all still trying to find the ultimate solution. And I think it's going to be a long time coming before we have something uh, that is applicable to everybody. I don't think we're ever going to totally get there. But it's certainly worth trying to uh, talk about and discuss and also focus on where the problem really is. It's not in the outside world. It's inside of us. And that's what we have to deal with. And that's the most uncomfortable area for all of us. Nobody wants to have to look at themselves and be critical. Um, but I think I'll leave it there. We could go on forever about this, but um, it's a very deep subject. But uh, maybe we can just have a little dialogue about that now and see where we all go with it. Thank you.